the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the WPTF Weekend Gardener. Mike Riley here, along with Ann Clapp, back from a uh, little beach trip. How was everything? <clears throat> Just fine. It's quite nice. Well, out still a lot of pollen down there, too. I huh? mean, yeah. there's a heck of a lot of I'm it. Telling, <laughs> wow, it's just crazy. It's it really is. Yeah, well, thank goodness for the rain last night. Mm-hmm. I hope that helped everybody a little bit. Brother Rufus Edmondson is with us this morning. I'm so honored that you're here always. Well, I'm honored to be with this group. Like they used to say up in Boone when I was a, a little helper at the Dutch station, W-A-T-A. Good morning <laughs> to all of you out there in Radio Land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Johnny Coley is with us this morning, not on the phone. You, you uh, ventured in. How's everything <laughs> on uh, Highway 50 coming from everything Creedmoor? Is, everything is nice. Uh, pollen. Coated and uh, of course we had a little rain last night, knocked off some of the pollen. But beautiful hope, flowers. Pollen I hope uh, one day they make that a four-lane road. Oh, yeah, all the way to eighty-five. That would be that would be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, <laughs> that's a uh, gets more and more traffic every time I travel. I saw a TV segment this morning about how Highway Fifty was littered with deer carcasses. Oh, what? Yeah. Well, there are a lot of, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's still very rural. It is, especially when you cross the lake. Uh, and people uh, just fly down that two-lane two road. I don't like two-lane roads very much. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, and it's, it's, it's so, of course, very they put hilly. some guardrails. They put some guardrails up in the last few years. That's good. You don't have to go down 100 feet <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, run off the road. Some pretty big ravines That's right. going down there. But at any rate, uh, we're, we're sorry for the deers, sorry for the people who hit them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll just carry on today. <laughs> oh, yes. We and, didn't bring any in the building here to. <laughs> and no, no deer, no deer here. Uh, we got a few plants around, and since they made all the pollen, mostly the pine trees, but that pollen you can't see yeah. is made by oaks and grass and all kinds of things. Oh, yeah, lots of things. Pollen. I suppose, Johnny, the, the, pot, the pine pollen is mainly what you, what you see what on cars. That's what you're seeing now, yes, sir, that yellow. Yeah. Uh, is, and that gets blamed for a lot of allergies, the pine pollen. But yeah. a lot of people are not allergic to the pine pollen. They're allergic to the other ones. But <laughs> it's sort of like goldenrod. In the, um, you know, you see the goldenrods blooming, and you, you think the, the, the pollen's out. But it's a lot of other things that, that cause pollen right. allergy issues. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, in my uh, Windmill Palm has those crazy seed pods on them. Starting again, absolutely. Golly, man, they're all, it's, I mean, it's big, big clusters of them now. It looks just, like a banana. Yeah, it's very strange looking. I think I may try and, and grow one from Propagate seed. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's too hard. I certainly have enough I've seeds never, to. Oh, never tried to. Well, I'd that. never noticed it until you mentioned it last year. And I went back and looked, and there was this. This monstrous-looking thing. Yeah. And it was a seed pod. Now, how old is your tree? Uh, it'd be about 15 years old. Wow. Yeah, mine mine is maybe 10 years old, a little less than that. And the, the last year was the first time I'd ever seen them. Seen the pods. So yeah. I guess they've... They, and they have kind of a crazy root system, and so I don't know what all they're. They're kind of a strange. Yeah, they're, plant. they're a little different. I saw one in Oxford. I think I was coming back from uh, somewhere the other day in, in Oxford, and, and never noticed as large as they were. But we had sort of a 
a mild winter, and I guess they, yeah. they come out pretty pretty strong. This yeah, year. with a windmill palm, I think it works uh, even farther north. So maybe in zone six. Well, mine was from setting a a pot with one in it in a corner of the house and forgetting about it, and all of a sudden, five years later, it's got a trunk with about six inch diameter. So is it oh, still didn't. in the pot? No, the pot's the pot's disappeared. So yeah, mine mine is planted, but I never expected it to. If once it finally got established, whatever it do does to establish, because yeah. it has these fibrous, yeah. real fibrous roots. Yeah, and they uh, it really the, took off. The palms they plant at the at the beach, which are hardier, they just have a very small root system when they put them in. They just you know it's a very small compared to the size tree, and right. they just put them in there. And, yeah, and you know down I know down at Topsail they they get hurt during the winter sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the palm even there and yeah, and yeah. the oleander. Yeah, oleander. I remember uh, going to NC State Fairgrounds when uh, Tony Avent was the manager over there and <clears throat> seeing the oleander on the education building. I think they were mm-hmm. along the education building yep. at that time. Uh, Tony would try things that would yeah. not normally grow in this area. That's uh, right. He would try it over there. He's always preached that, <clears throat> yeah. and it works. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. really amazing yeah. what you can achieve. Yeah. There's one in my neighborhood that is growing almost completely in shade. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. It works. I mean, it must get some filtered light or something, but it's it's you know, it's kind of an understory plant, and yeah. it's uh, it's pretty tall. It's, yeah. you know, it's 10 feet tall. Yeah. I know when we had the nursery, people would come back from a uh, summer vacation at the beach, especially if they went to the southern beaches, and they'd see the oleander. They come back and this, they they describe the oh, plant yeah. to me, and that's uh, that's oleander. It won't grow here. <laughs> yeah, and don't eat it. I think that's one of the plants you really don't want to eat. Unlike the poinsettia, which you can that you could eat. I, I you can make a salad out of it. I understand, but uh-huh. yeah, not not real tasty salad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, on, on the other hand, the dandelion, which uh, are, are blooming now, you can eat. Uh, you yeah. can eat all have you done that, John? I have not, but uh, yeah. I have. I understand that you. What, can what eat. about your wife? She's adventurous, isn't she? She is more adventurous than I am on on the on the especially on the food. Yeah. End of it. And uh, I don't know that she's ever tried any parts of the dandelion. But mm. I uh, I gave a talk. Speaking of dandelions, I gave a talk to the some um, to a bee association in Person County a couple weeks ago, and I was telling them that the dandelion is is great. For uh, honeybees, I mean, honeybees love the the dandelion bloom. hadn't thought it's, about that. Uh, one of the few talks I've ever given of you know trying to nurture dandelions rather than kill dandelions because <laughs> most of the time I'm I'm telling people how to get rid of them in the out of their yard. Uh, Was there a lot of head shaking in that uh, during that with your audience? <sighs> no, they, like, what they, is they were they were, bee, they were bee people, so oh, they, okay. they wanted the dandelions. Yeah. So <laughs> well, that's why the bees love my yard: dandelions, <laughs> clover, uh, violets. Mm-hmm. Just a sea of little blue violets blooming right yeah, now. Yeah. You no, haven't. You have. You've never tried to. You've never had a bee box, have you? No. I've no. I, I'm gonna leave that to the bees and the experts. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of work, and and sometimes they just get. They say to heck with you they and just leave. Leave. Yeah. Yeah. But there's I, I nothing guess, like sourwood honey. Yeah. Up in the mountains. That's mountain stuff. Oh there. man, it's yeah. just something else. Yeah, we have a few sourwoods around here, but not not to the level that they have in the mountains where you could actually yeah. say it's sourwood honey in this this part of the the country. Part and of it the never spoils. Not unless it gets any moisture. If it gets any moisture, one you know just a little, just a drop of water can spoil it. But um, yeah, as long as it stays dry and you have the moisture content, and you need to when you're taking it when you um actually take the honey out of the supers. 
you want to test for moisture content, and if it's if it is too high of a moisture content, you need to get it get it drier before you actually put it in the jars because it will spoil if it's too high of a moisture content. So what do we what do we do to attract bees? Uh, besides growing dandelions, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's lots of uh, lots of them right now, and I'm not sure if they're they're blooming yet. But uh, poplar trees are a very um, good source of nectar for the for the honeybees. Is the the poplar trees are are blooming, and um, uh, the red buds, you know, red buds are, are still blooming and have been blooming for a while. They like the they like the red. Oh, buds. they like the red buds. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, they'll go to the. Red buds and hollies. The hollies are be- beginning yeah. to bloom. They like osmanthus too. The little osmanthus, little... The, yeah, yeah. yeah osmanthus and, and the osmanthus just—it's like they—it's the ever blooming plant now. Yes. It's blooming. <laughs> it's Mine's getting. blooming right now. It's yeah, been blooming yeah. for weeks. Absolutely, ours, ours is blooming. Yeah, yeah. I usually crazy. smell it before I see it. Bro, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's little tiny flowers. And the hollies, I usually hear them before I see the blooms. Yeah. When you walk by them, you hear the the bees buzzing on them and. And you look down, and you see the flowers. But yeah, they, uh, but yeah, they there's there's lots of different ones. And and it's interesting about the the bees when they go leave the hive, when they go to get pollen, they visit only one type of flower, only one type of plant, when they go in flight, on that one flight. So they will hmm. go out and um, if they go to maple, if they go to a maple tree. They'll go. That's the only thing they'll get pollen from is a maple tree. So does the queen tell them where to go? I don't know that the queen does much directing. They tell each other. They do. A, it's a bee dance. So whoever discovers a, a maple tree, say, "Come on, guys!" They there's a dance that they do in their direction and, and direct the other ones to where that mm-hmm. source of uh, honey two step. It's a two step. It's a honey honey two step. <laughs> <laughs> Rufus, you're a shagger. You might try a bee, oh, yeah. the bee step. <laughs> Learn how to dance like the bees. That's so that's bees yeah. uh, I usually that. dance when they when they uh, you know they sting you when you're when they're after you. <laughs> that's yeah. how they dance. Yeah, yeah. Have you now? Do you have bees currently? Yes, sir. We've got uh, three three hives. There's somebody in my neighborhood had until recently. I guess he has escaped, but he had some really fancy looking beehives. They're like little barns or something. Yeah, yeah. People get creative with their uh, their beehives. Ours are just white. Yeah, just um, just your yeah, regular yeah, box. Just regular boxes, but uh, I've got some got a neighbor that that has bees, and he's painted his in pastel colors. So How about that? It's a little bit uh, a little bit more attractive. Sure. He can see. It, does it make the the bees happier? With that? <laughs> well, you just never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it may yeah, the yeah, colors yeah. may attract them. <laughs> keep keeping them at home. Yeah, yeah. Maybe well, that's for the juvenile bees. Those pastel <laughs> colors. <laughs> yeah. Pastel, yeah. yeah. Well, it, we we do want to plant, uh, you know, and, and pollination um, helps our garden, our vegetable gardens, planting things that attract bees. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that bloom exactly, and a lot of crops. You know, people um, bring crops. I know there's some beekeepers in um, Granville County that take their hives <clears throat> to uh, different crops for pollination. Um, you know, the main thing you have to be careful with when you're dealing with crops is spraying of course uh because the crops mm. have to be sprayed at certain yeah. times for insecticides so you have to be careful with what you um what you spray but uh usually the beekeeper and the and the grower has a agreement of some sort uh when you bring they bring them in and they can cover the hives if the, if the farm the grower does need to to spray they can cover the hives and um uh, protect them while the spray is being done so 
they they have How about the residue of the spray though does that well a lot of them once they dry um they don't do. have the effect on the bees okay. that, uh, that they do before they dry so the, the spray itself but uh, yeah you're right a lot of them do have uh residue and um I guess carbaryl is, uh, which is seven, the active ingredient is seven. That's that's a that's a pretty harsh one for for bees. Um, yeah, I quit using seven on a number of things. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's a, that's a pretty tough uh, pollinator. It's a good, you know, it's good. It's a good tool to have in the toolbox, but you just have to be careful with it. Right. All right, more of the Weekend Gardener coming up here on WPTF, 919-860-9783, 919-860-WPTF. It's 820, more of the Weekend Gardener coming up. For 40 years, it was the Tar Heel Gardener. And since then, the Weekend Gardener has invited you into their backyard. A WPTF tradition since 1945. You're listening to The Weekend Gardener. Mike Rayleigh here, along with Ann Clapp and Rufus Edmonston. Johnny Coley, extension agent in person and Granville County, is uh, also with us this morning. 919-860-9783, 919-860-WPTF. Is your lawn looking a little ragged from winter critter damage? Yeah. Uh, yep. Have moles dug tunnels in your lawn? Got moles, Rufus? Yeah. Okay. Have <laughs> have plants devoured your folds? Uh, no. Have they? <laughs> that would be good. We had a plant that devoured folds. Uh, have plants been devoured by your folds? That's what Marilyn's trying to say here. Uh, well, are you ready to give up gardening because you're just fed up because of the damage done by moles and folds? Well, I hope not. Well, if you're discouraged, think about IMOS Garden. They have some great products, and one of them is mole and vole repellent, available in liquid and granular. IMOS Garden mole and vole repellent has a super strong formulation that's effective and easy to use. IMOS Garden mole and vole repellent works without the use of harmful toxins or chemicals. You know, many products that um, kill moles and voles are kind of undesirable because they they effectively kill animals too but not imos garden mole and vole repellent it contains only natural ingredients and botanical oils giving you peace of mind that you won't be unintentionally poisoning any animals pets or birds imos garden repellents are sold all over the triangle area so look for imos garden mole and vole repellent in the big orange bag at your favorite garden center or hardware store such as homewood garden center in raleigh and the garden hut in fuqua verena also campbell road nursery in logan's and while you're there be sure to check out the other imos garden natural repellents for deer rabbits squirrels snakes dogs cats and more protect your garden today with natural pest control and protection from a imos garden repellent Earth-friendly, people and pet-friendly, and made right here in the Triangle. And it really doesn't uh, make plants consume voles. So, <laughs> but that would be uh, it'd be a nice little story. Well, you do have a Venus flytrap. Now, come on. Their mouth is not that big. Kind of war plant. Yeah. yeah, those are interesting plants. Yeah, uh, yeah I sure. try to tell people that the moles, you know, they're they actually aerate your soil. That's and right. Everything. The moles. They've never bothered terrible. me. They, uh, yeah, they can. I guess they can cause pockets around your plants and, and yeah. dry them out, but they don't. They don't actually eat the roots or. or yeah. They're, con they're totally carnivores. And it's usually usually just a, a family 
of them. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, they're very territorial, very, so that's about all you have. Few, um, you know, per acre, you don't have but maybe two or three. It's, it looks like when you walk out there and see the tunnels and step on the tunnels, it's, you got a 50 of them out there, but it's usually not that many. Mm. Uh, yeah, you can they make their way around, and voles use those runs yeah. sometimes. Yeah, voles can But use I haven't, I uh, better knock on wood, I haven't had any plants to, destroyed by a vole in a while. Yeah, I don't know that we've had uh, any. The voles now. The voles will. The voles eat the eat the roots. They like the daylilies and the hostas and, and yeah. even the fruit trees. Oh yeah, and even know. even small trees that I've planted, mm-hmm. they yeah, have eaten the roots. And I, a couple of times, I've just propped them, kind of propped them back up and staked them and pushed them back into the soil a little more, and the roots have, took have off. taken off, and, and you know they're still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on the time of year and and the and the plant, but right. Uh, definitely could do that. Well, yeah, voles can can be uh, havoc in squirrels. We've uh, we've had some squirrels it, squirrel issues. Uh, we've got a Japanese maple that uh, got gnawed by some squirrels this past winter. And they, do tell. They'll, yeah, they'll, what, they'll what chew on the bark. The, the squirrel. What? They'll chew on the bark. Uh, okay. They'll chew the bark of the of the plant and try uh, to get moisture. I, it's a nutrient, and I I want to say it's um, the cambium layer uh. has some nutrients in there that the when 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 they're nesting, um, huh. I read this. It's been a while since I read How it. But I, I can't remember exactly the nutrient that they're after, but they're um, they, they do get something from the plant that um, when the when the female's nesting that that she's after um, that that will uh, allow that, that they're attracted to, I guess, in certain plants. Uh, right. I remember going looking at a, a site that viburnum. I think this particular gentleman had. It's, they're not usually they don't. If they're big branches, they don't usually bother them, but it's the uh, inch and a half, two-inch size um, that they will. They'll gnaw on it, they'll girdle it, and, and then, you know, no nutrients uh, can be transported through um, the vascular system, and that'll, that'll pretty much kill that limb that they were, uh, they were chewing on. So you have to be aware of them anyway. I, I tell people squirrels can be as problematic as deer because deer, deer you can sometimes fence them out. Squirrels... They'll climb the fence and just go right over, so you can't really keep them out of your out of your area. But yeah, they will. They'll cause some some issues too. Is there anything beneficial about a, a squirrel except Brunswick stew? <laughs> I can't think of anything. You know, I, I have you ever had Brunswick stew with squirrel meat? Absolutely. Yeah, you know that that was the legend at Bob Melton's in Rocky Mountain, yeah. one of the great barbecue restaurants that was right on yeah. the Tar River that. Kay Kaiser, the great band leader from Rocky Mount, used to bring his Hollywood friends to Bob Melton's to eat uh, Brunswick stew and barbecue, and it had squirrel meat in it. Yep. Huh. How about that? Uh, That's the legend. <laughs> More of the Weekend Gardener coming up here on WPTF. Get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. We're back on WPTF with the Weekend Gardener. Mike Rayley here along with Ann Clapp and Rufus Edmonston and Johnny Coley, extension agent in Granville and in Person County. Johnny, the uh, in Granville County in Oxford, there's a the, the extension office is there, and there's a, a beautiful campus that's kind of part of it. Yeah, the um, it's the, the tobacco research station is there. Yeah, um, it was actually uh, 
developed or started in 1912, so it's been there for for a while. And um, it's over 400 acres. It's I don't really think all that, that 400. I don't think the four, total 400 acres is on that on that one site. There's some right. annex sites uh, yeah. around, but um, but it is. They've they've been doing you know tobacco research uh, for for a number of years. They they discovered um, the the first uh, hybrid seeds, I guess, for um, tobacco wilt, the granville wilt <clears throat> that gets in tobacco uh, that really was detrimental to the tobacco mm-hmm. industry. Um, uh, so they developed developed a, a, I think I had the first hybrid seeds there. I remember people saying that the they they went <clears throat> would ride by it and they'd have you know uh, barriers up so people couldn't go out there and steal the seeds off those particular plants because they were you know they were high dollar pretty high dollar seeds. So that was um uh, it's been there you know for a while. A nice building there, nice brick building. I think you've seen that. They've actually um, I don't know if they've condemned it, but they've taken everything out of it. But that's a it's a nice brick building. We our our office is actually on that campus, and then um, they still do tobacco research. The biofuels is another. Um, they do they have miscanthus and uh, some woody plants there, um, testing them for for biofuels. The possibility of using certain plants for biofuels. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a blueberry demonstration plot uh, on on one of the part of the farm. I've heard there. you talk about that. <laughs> We uh, actually, Master Gardeners, uh, and and myself met out there Wednesday of this week to to clean up the blueberries. Uh, it's it's sort of re we're trying to have to having to reclaim the blueberries. Uh, this is a plot that was planted several years ago. Twelve different varieties, uh, twelve twelve plants of twelve different varieties. So uh, quite a few blueberries there. Some of them haven't made it through the years, but. We were just trying to clean up the blue, the blackberries out of the blueberries because the blackberries oh, are wow. taking over. Just the wild native blackberries are growing up in there, and sweet gum trees, and poison ivy, and anything else. <laughs> oh that my god! Always more than poison so. ivy. Did you have anybody who who was able to deal with the poison ivy who didn't I, I, affected by I it? I took or? that on. Uh, I had gloves on, and I, I took that. There's oh, just okay. certain plants that have that around them, so I um, I showed them where to where to stay away from and right um so most everybody of course had one one gentleman um one of the master gardeners he when we finished he his his arms were just all scratched up from the blackberries i felt sure felt bad but uh but he he got right in there and uh and got them out you so. didn't feel bad enough to not let him do it <laughs> <laughs> well you know i gave him i gave him gloves and uh you know get try to give him the equipment but he had on short sleeves and uh he got he got beat up pretty bad but he didn't he didn't seem to bother him he was uh, he just got in there and, and we got them cleaned up. They look a lot better. Still need probably about four or five more days of, of that. But we uh, we had a good day uh, Wednesday. Good um, good time. It was about eight, I think. Uh, the master gardeners were out there all together, cleaning up the the blueberries. They're blooming. Um, and the freeze last weekend didn't seem to bother them that bad. Uh, I think the ones at the house that we have seem to be seem to have been affected more from that freeze than than those. And we're further that Oxford's further north than than where we live, but. Um, they they seem to be doing well, um, so looking forward to a good blueberry crop. I love blueberries. Now, mm. I, I heard a, a farmer, an apple and peach grower up in Canton, up in the mountains, uh, the Asheville area. I guess is that Henderson County? I'm somewhere around the Asheville area. At any rate, they had uh, they had some very very uh, big problems with theirs. But yeah, I I did hear that. I haven't. Um, but I don't I, think the Sandhills had had any problems no no and i you know we didn't our 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 apple trees were not quite open enough to have uh 
Yeah. And so I'm surprised they that they were in the mountains, but I did hear that they they had some some mm-hmm. freeze. And at at a certain stage, it really doesn't matter how cold you know. At, at a certain temperature, it doesn't really matter uh, what stage they're in; they're going to get going to get hurt. And we were sure. 25 last Friday morning or wow. Saturday morning. We were we were 25 degrees. Yeah, so it's pretty chilly. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm sure they were colder up there. So if it gets in the you know low 20s, it doesn't really matter what stage the bloom is in; it's just going to going to cause damage. But right. they um yeah, I did hear they had some some damage to the to the crop up there this year so you, what are y'all going to do with the blueberries just just uh, rehabilitate them and yeah and trying to rehabilitate them a little them. bit and uh use them for demonstration <clears throat> plots my plan just for to have um uh, like field days out there to to in the spring to show people how to prune blueberries um uh i i don't know what it was originally designed for it was some uh, the, the agent before myself was uh more involved with with the original planting of them and and the research that was done for them but um you know a lot of like i said 12 different varieties one there's only one southern high bush out there um i guess legacy uh is out there and the southern high bush all the rest of them are rabbit eyes so uh, they're all rabbit eye varieties which are the if if you're going to plant a a blueberry in this area rabbit eye is what you want to what you want to plant there's several different varieties of, of rabbit eye uh and it's always good. I tell people, if you're going to plant three blueberries, plant three different varieties of blueberries. So you, you want good good cross-pollination. They will pollinate themselves, but it's better to have the, the cross-pollination on the blueberries. Um, so, you know, you don't want to don't really want to plant just one and and i tell people blueberries are a great ornamental plant you know if, if you don't like blueberries <clears throat> they're flowering this time of year they're beautiful when they flower in the fall they mm-hmm. have great fall foliage um summertime they have the blueberries on them and in the winter they're not they're not you know totally unattractive in the winter time even they have uh, some nice bark uh appeal uh, as far as i'm concerned but it's uh, probably a little prejudice on the blueberries I like, I like the blueberry plants but they're they're great um even as an ornamental uh, they can be used for that but, and and take very little spray you know i don't know that i've ever sprayed the ones at home for for anything in the plot i've never sprayed for anything um, now would you when you say spraying would you are you talking about an, an oil Anything, yeah, pesticide, yeah. as far as any kind of pesticides, uh, whether it's a fungicide or insecticide, um, they, they just don't, you know, they don't have that big of problems w- with either one. Um, how do you I, keep the birds, uh, how do you protect that's against the, the biggest, birds? That's the biggest thing with the blueberries is the, the birds. Um, and that, you know, you just plant enough for the birds and you. The Malar tape is about the best thing I've found for birds. Uh, the little strips of Malar tape that are shiny, uh-huh. uh, and they doesn't take much wind to move them. And that, that will usually deter the birds um, in most, like apple trees or um, uh, the, the blueberries. But some people get the nets, but unless you put the nets all the way to the ground, they'll just find a way to fly up underneath them. Uh, so the nets... Uh, work to an extent. Um, Levon, my wife, she'll she'll put nets over them in the in the um, in the summertime, and that does it at least gives them a barrier <laughs> to have to go through. Uh, but the mallar tape seems to work pretty good. We've uh, we've had the yellow belly sapsucker uh, on some of the apple trees, and we put the the mallar tape on the apple trees, and that that seems to uh, keep them at bay a little bit. So it's the birds can be tough. Birds are like squirrels. You know, you can't keep them out. You just sort of have to learn to deter them somehow. (laughs) 
Well, Rufus, do you have any blueberries? I don't know if you. I tried it one time, and the birds decided they wanted all of them, <laughs> and, and I, I I quit because I didn't have enough sun, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I just run out of room. Well, I understand that. Yeah. I, yeah. I certainly understand that. So, I saw some some pretty. I thought about you yesterday. I saw somewhere in Raleigh, uh, Lady Banks Rose. Yes. That oh, was what a wonderful rose. Yeah, it was just uh, just as pretty I had to, as I had to let mine go because it had destroyed, virtually destroyed, a crepe myrtle. <laughs> well, how did it end up in the crepe myrtle? Because it, it just, it, it was about 10 feet away from the crepe myrtle, and it, it, it just reached so high that it got on a limb of the crepe myrtle and just engulfed it. Yeah. And I, I loved it for a while because you'd have the blooms of the, the Lady Banks, and then you'd have the blooms of the crepe myrtle, and then the Lady Banks won, and it was just choking that crepe myrtle to death. And I hesitantly cut it down. Right. Is it, is it early for them to come up? I mean, it was, it was looking pretty, pretty good, pretty far along. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. It, it would be it would be about fourth of June. Yeah, I mean, it, good good Lady Banks blooms. Well, it sure does seem early for it. So I was really yeah, surprised to to see it. I have to think about. I mean, it's this, yeah, middle where of I saw that yesterday. Maybe in Pittsburgh. We were in Pittsburgh yesterday afternoon. After my could be a microclimate whirlwind there. physical that uh, took me all day. <laughs> so. Yeah, sometimes a microclimate, if it's a little warmer in that area, that might. Yeah, I believe it was in Pittsburgh on oh. Salisbury Street okay. in, in Hills, and not Hillsboro, but Pittsburgh. Yeah, a little further south. Yeah, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. Yeah. Yeah, is. Melissa just told me Lady Banks Rose, and she's already up. Good. <laughs> <laughs> already up checking on me. 919-860-9783, 919-860-WPTF. It's 846. More of the Weekend Gardener coming up. You're listening to the longest-running gardening show on the radio. It's the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. And we continue to run it into the ground as best we can. Uh, <laughs> we work this hard morning, but tradition <laughs> continues. Mike Rayley here, along with Ann Clapp and Rufus Edmonston, and Johnny Coley is with us, and so is Major Dave. Major Dave, good morning to you. Well, good morning, my friends. How is everybody? We're fine. It, have you had some warm weather this week and lots of pollen in Virginia? Well, uh, it actually got up in the uh, upper 70s the last day or two, and uh, all those nighttime temps that began <coughs> three have disappeared from the two-week forecast. Uh, about that. So we're blessed. How, how about the and, apple uh, crop? Was it was the apple crop up there damaged any last week? Uh, we hear it's pretty good this year. Good, good. Glad to hear that. And um, tomorrow is the uh, beginning of the new moon, so that those who plant by moon phases um, can start their seeds. This is a great time over the next two weeks for any plants that bear their fruit above ground. So what are you? Two weeks. What are you going to plant? Oh goodness, I've got twenty-four different things. I've got two varieties of tomatoes. I've got my aromas for the spaghetti sauce, but I'm going to try Better Boy this year. Oh. I didn't have that much luck with the Rutgers. So I'm going to try Better Boy. Uh, we've got pickling cucumbers. We've got Market Moore slicing cucumbers. Um, we've got pole beans, uh, blue lake green beans, uh, zucchini squash, yellow cookneck squash. Uh, the list goes on. If it's on the rack in your grocery store, I'm probably planting it this year. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, do you, you, and you, you give some of it away. 
Well, we're going to give most of it away. Um, the uh, idea is to keep the food bank stocked with fresh produce as best we can. Um, so we're going to do an area about 30 feet by 120 feet. Man, oh, man. Fill that up in the ground. And I'll, I'll have my bucket area, my container bucket, because the uh, the determinate varieties of tomatoes like aromas uh, seem to do okay in a five-gallon bucket with a cage. Wow. I don't really need till soil for those. But I had a question about companion planting. Mm-hmm. Some vegetables just don't like one another, like tomatoes and corn, apparently, I'm told, don't get along together. And if I put maybe four rows of yellow squash between my corn and my tomatoes, I'm wondering if that's going to be sufficient distance. So we're talking probably 12 feet. Well, you had enough problems with your corn last year, didn't you? Didn't the deer get into them? All the deer got all but two ears out of two hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I remember that. How were those two good ears? Well, they, pretty- they, they were delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so, Johnny, have you, if you, I, you have any opinion on that? I don't, unfortunately. I um, I don't know what. Uh, have you heard that they don't get along? I have not. I don't. I'm not familiar with the the corn and tomatoes uh, uh, being upset with each other. I, I Maybe that's just in Virginia, Dave. But um. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, they wouldn't I, get diseases or insects being the the same. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what uh, what the problem is there. But um, well, I I have read stories that the Indians used to plant a stalk of corn. They would plant a pole bean plant right next to it, so it would use the corn stalk to climb up. Yes, sir. And then they would plant squash around the base because the leaves of the squash protected the roots of all three plants. Wow. Yeah. That's really in, yeah. inventive. And I know a lot of that's just folklore, but yeah, um, I was just wondering if anybody had any uh, opinions on companion planting. Uh, some of them, they say that this pole bean put nitrogen in the ground, which the corn needs yes, to grow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's why planting beans and corns together or planting corn where you planted beans the last year would do better because there was added nitrogen in the soil that came from the beans. Yes, sir. Yeah, being a legume, they could fix the nitrogen. I would think, you know, putting the squash in between them uh, would give, them, give uh, a barrier to especially insects. Um, uh, but I, I don't really, I don't know of an insect that gets on the corn and the, and the tomato. Uh, maybe the... But it would give a, you know, would would give a, a barrier there uh, in between, so it would be right. You know, probably be good to to do. Being, you know, there there's three different types of, of plants all together. Being a cucurbit there in between, um, the really a, a grass type and uh, right. solanaceae. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would I would I would say that it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if uh, yeah. any scientific uh, evidence, right? Of it, now, I intend to plant marigolds around the fence, around that whole 30 by 120 area. But are there any other plants that are equally beneficial for repelling insects and, and things like marigolds? I, I don't. Um, I've never never seen any scientific evidence that marigolds do, but uh, I know that a lot of people do plant the marigolds that uh, and, and they will uh, they distract, detract from uh, other plants. Uh, particular insects but um i don't know of any other other plants that would um great uh, some people use a trap plant they'll they'll use a plant that's um 
that will attract certain insects and use that for a trap plant. And so if, like, for instance, we'll say thrips, if, if, a, if a particular uh, plant like, or thrips like a particular plant, they'll plant that, that plant in the garden and attract all the thrips to that and just treat that one plant for that particular insect and, and they won't have as bad a problem on the other plants. But right. um, as far that as using them. Plant. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's been that's been tried and uh, and done pretty pretty successfully, you know, in the garden, in the landscape, and and I think nurseries, some nurseries do that. Rufus, you ever planted anything, companion plants? How well, you... I've, I've, the marigold thing that Major's talking about, I, I use that quite a bit because they, I think they smell awful anyway. <laughs> <laughs> pretty plant, yeah. But uh, I just want I've, I've never heard you talk, Major Dave, about. Strawberries, you 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 don't you don't fool with strawberries, huh? Actually, the grandkids are trying those this year. We have some, uh, I guess, uh, eight inch by sixteen inch window boxes um, that they've got out on the front deck railing, and they bought some strawberry plants and have put those in them uh, probably about a month ago because um, they they tolerate the cool weather very well. So um, they're starting to grow. So we're going to see how they do this year. Well, that's great for kids. Yeah. It is. And, and Rufus, I have a question for you. I wanted to let you know the hellebore you gave me is doing just fine, but something else has sprouted up in that pot that looks like a gardenia. <laughs> <laughs> so Good. what else did you give him, Rufus? You Good think? gracious, I have no <laughs> earthly idea. It might be a gardenia. Can you, can you separate it and put it in a little pot and see what it turns out to be? Yes, sir. That's exactly what I'm going to do this afternoon. Yeah, it's probably um, not a gardenia. It, it would be too early for that. To, certainly, in, up there. To, well, I've got two other gardenias in pots next to it, and the leaves are identical. So I'm just presuming that's. Oh wow! It. Really? Man, well, that's I, amazing. I, there must have been a little seed or something that came along. I said, well, you know, when Rufus gives, he gives. <laughs> oh my! Bonus plan. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for the great show, and as always, I know what I know because I listen to the show. So, <laughs> Major Dave, you. give our thank best you. to everybody up there. By the way, Major Dave, your your uh, project is very scholarly. I uh, got a little bit lost here and there because you are so technically brilliant, but uh, scholarly work. Thank you, sir. A gentleman well, and a scholar. Keep listening. All right, buddy. Take care. Take care. Y'all have a great weekend. You too. That's Major Dave up in the... Uh, up in the mountains this morning. He's a good gardener, too. He, 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 he takes great pride in it. Yeah, he, he certainly does. He's, and he's very scientific with that. Now, Johnny's probably going to go back and, and check out some of these things. Yeah, that, yeah, I'll have to, uh, to, to do a little bit of research myself to, to find out uh, the companion I've never heard about the corn deal. I haven't either. I mean, I've heard of people raising pole beans under the corn, you know, right beside the corn. Oh, absolutely, corn. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've done My that. My grandma but, did that. Yeah, yeah. But I have um, I've not heard that the tomatoes and the corn uh, have issues beside each other. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that feels because. We got uh, William and Carrie. <laughs> William, we only got about a minute, but you can hang on if we don't get all of yours in. How are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm good. I'm suffering from the pollen allergies. It's about to kill me this morning. Yeah, I don't know what to blame that on. I, it's it's not the pine. It's not what you see. It's what you get. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the unseen, and that could yeah, that's I, from grasses and some of the hardwood trees. Well, 
last week we could see the pine. As soon as the wind would blow, it looked like the giant yellow cloud coming out of the pine tree. Yeah, we were crossing Jordan Lake yesterday, going to Pittsburgh, and I mean there was a there were lines of pollen out out in the uh, out in the water. I mean, Clouds, as far as yeah, you could yeah, see, yeah. no, I mean it was on the water on the surface. Water, yeah, yeah. We, we, I saw that yeah, pond, yeah. And that was yeah. before the rain, and so. Well, I was going to tell you, I'm heading down to the farmer's market this morning to visit Mr. Gerald to grab some tomato plants to get them in the ground. All right. Well, yeah, try, try Gerald, Gerald's Lightning. You'll never you'll never be able to get up to talk to him because of all the autograph seekers. Yeah, I know. He's a famous person. Hey, William, you want to hang on? or? Yeah, I can hang on. All right. We'll talk to you after the news here on uh, WPTF.